there comes experience. If you've done this five times already, you've already know what to do a little bit. And um, it's also experience on the side of the consultant giving the advice. If you give too much good advice all the time, it's not going to do any good. This is Crisis Cast 2020 with me, Toby Goodman, a podcast where I get timely wisdom from experts in life and business. These guests will answer my five questions, sharing wisdom and insights to help you and me get through this global shitstorm. Today on Crisis Cast 2020, intellectual property expert Gil Perlberg speaks with me from his home in Israel about a second spike of the coronavirus, how to keep your competitive edge, and as a man who is a named inventor on more than 20 US patents, ways in which you can properly protect your new ideas. Before we start the show, I have something for you if you identify as pod curious. It's perfect for you if you're an expert, consultant or business owner. Maybe you're wondering if podcasting is worth the effort, especially now, or perhaps you've tried podcasting in the past but have been disappointed with the results. In this free guide, Podstar, I'll share the exact seven steps we use to help publish over 2,000 podcasts each month. To get instant access, go to podcastnetworksolutions.com. Gil Perlberg, welcome to Crisis Cast 2020. Thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you. It's July the 1st. Uh, we haven't spoken for a while. You're in Israel. How's it going, man? What's the, uh, what's the experience where you are right now? Israel was doing good for a while in the COVID-19 era, and they opened up the markets. And then um, things started to go south. Okay. Uh, We were considered a green country up until a couple of weeks ago, hoping to be able to vacation in Europe in August. And Europe is not accepting us now. Uh, The numbers are way, way up. Wow. So, yeah, it's very disappointing. And it's affecting people and it's affecting business and um, all over. I'm sorry to hear that. So, yeah. So, what happened? Are you back in lockdown now or are they just sort of leaving it? Well, there's all kinds of theories and tactics to do pinpointed lockdown and uh, local lockdown, but um, all of it has been done right now and the numbers are growing and Israel is a small country. So a few local lockdowns and you're locking down the whole country and the circles are very, um, the way it works. I'll give you an example. Uh, We had a high school that was hit and then there were two um, elementary schools nearby that siblings of people and the kids in the high schools go to. And my daughter works as a part-time teacher in the kindergarten, and she was there for an hour. So for two weeks, she was in curfew. Okay. So the circles are never ending, and it's, uh, it's uh, something you have to live by. I think we'll all go through with it a few times for a while. Yeah, yeah I think we will. And today we're just, we're just experiencing the first 
local lockdown, uh, not where I am, but in uh, sort of the towards the Midlands in Leicester. So that's that's now the new thing for sure. But uh, the UK is very, very small, not quite as small as Israel. But yeah, I think, you know, we shall see. It's it's the balancing act of health versus economy and what's going on. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. Has the UK been under lockdown? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and it's just uh, it just today, uh, in the last last few days, has announced that uh, this place called Leicester, which is uh, I don't know, let's say an hour and a half, hour hour and a half north of London, is now locked down because they're seeing an outbreak there. So managing what that looks like from a logistical point of view is is an interesting thing to watch. But you know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So you are in the business of helping people protect their IP, and there's some innovation, some online innovations going on. A lot of a lot of people trying to solve a lot of problems. So what what are you seeing from a work standpoint? Things are changing. A couple of things. One is um, more people are aware that their know how or their competitive edge is not only in patents, but it's in stuff that are called trade secrets and things they want to keep. On the other hand, more people are working at home, more Zoom meetings that are being recorded, and more information might be shared unknowingly and unintentionally. And uh, people are becoming aware of it. And the question is, um, how do you deal with it? So the first go-to solution usually people do is um, improve their cybersecurity. But it seems that uh, most of the intellectual property leakage happens from employees, intentionally or unintentionally. So you need other mechanisms. And um, what I'm doing now with a couple of colleagues is trying to provide solutions that are sort of holistic to deal with today's problems and tomorrow's problems, which is how to keep your competitive edge and your know-how in these evolving times that um, the way of doing business is changing and doing business requires sharing of information. There's a contradiction here that needs to be resolved. So it's keeping us busy and um, intellectually stimulating and business um, trying to um, discuss this with people and show them the way. Many businesses know there's a problem, but don't know exactly to define it or how to pinpoint a solution. So there's an educational process involved. And how are you instigating those conversations at the moment? Well, word of mouth with people I know, with people that I work with colleagues uh, all over the world. And um, during the regular course of discussions, we bring this issue up and we discuss how they view the issue and the solutions. And um, the solutions are never a template solution. It's always customized. So the discussion is easy. And if you, know, if you can help somebody along the other side, great. And if they want more help, they'll come and ask for it. That's usually... Um, the way I like to work. Yeah, right. So when you're working with new clients, does it it tends to be that they're coming for one specific solution, but then you're uncovering other 
other ways you can help them? Yeah, that happens a lot. They come for, um, I have an idea, can you help me protect it with a patent? And then um, we start discussing the business model and the product. Yeah. And maybe the product is not really ready yet for protection because it's too early in the game. And maybe there's a lot of information that should be kept as a trade secret. So we discuss the whole gamut of issues. And um, in my experience, that's key. I um, came into the IP world after being an R&D manager and uh, manager of different disciplines. What I noticed is that when the IP works by itself, it doesn't really provide the protection you expect to get. So you have to put it into context of the business, of the development, and then um, you get much better results and happy customers. Sure. And we, we spoke um, a few weeks back about how, you know, of course, crisis is, is bringing out innovation. But we also spoke about how you felt that people were more cost sensitive. So I wonder, yeah. since we spoke how you're navigating that conversation. People are very cost sensitive and it's very, um, and it's right. Uh, with all the uncertainties going forward and uh, the delays in uh, any kind of foreseeable future opening up, everybody has to be. And the only solution I have for myself and for friends who I talk to is to go with the flow. Sometimes you provide service for no cost. Sometimes you say, if this succeeds, I'll postpone the compensation until there's a success. And sometimes we reduce costs. We reduce our costs. Right. But, um, we don't want to stand still and we want to help others move forward. And these are challenging times. Yeah, absolutely. I had a really interesting conversation with a, a chap yesterday who's in Paris and he wanted to talk about a partnership deal. And I could see that he was really keen to secure the partnership deal. But I could also see that he wasn't ready yet. Like he, he wasn't ready to uh, create a partnership with, with us. And um, I didn't want to kind of nail him down to, you know, you pay this or like we can't work together. And essentially, uh, even if he had the money, uh, which I didn't even get to that point, I knew he wasn't ready yet. But I think, I, I hope I gave him enough value in the conversation so that he could progress what he was doing so that absolutely he would come back to us for the partnership when he was ready to do that. Um, but at the same time, we're all trying to um, pay our bills and, and feed our family. Yeah, have right? to make so. a living. Have to make a living. But uh, you have to add the sales cycle is longer. You have to the customer management aspect is much uh, tighter. And my goal is to stay relevant for the long term. I yeah. understand that we're all going to take a dip, and uh, it's not because of performance or luck or anything. It's all around. And uh, we also have to be grateful for being able to continue, you know. Great parts of our economy are just at a standstill with no future in sight. So um, 
have to be thankful for the small things. Yeah, well, that it's it's not a small thing to be able to work from home, right? And and we right. we maybe um, which is part of the technological uh, you know situation that we find ourselves in. But now we realise the value of it more than ever. Uh, and the conversation I had with with uh, Matthew Kimberley, who's episode uh, nineteen, I think, somewhere around there, he was talking about. You know, I realised that for a long time I've been working in the future. You know, and we've been seeing these <laughs> other other organisations. Uh, um, speaking about schools, particularly, I think in that point was saying, you know, they suddenly had to uh, to get to where we've got to in in the space of a, f- a few days that we've taken years to get to. Um, so yeah, I am so grateful. Not only that, we did the change progressively while the rest of the world around us was stable. Now people are doing their changes. I just had this discussion with a a young lady who's thinking of a career change. And I was thinking, I did a couple of career changes, Mm. but I was able to navigate myself. I knew the surrounding and I was, everything was steady. And she's asking questions to me and to herself that nobody knows the solution to. Nobody knows where it's going to be here. So um, it's a chaotic world. And um, this is interesting to me professionally and also personally. I um, like to live in business in a changing environment and to um, initiate and to manage and change. But this seems to be on a grand scale of change. But nobody knows what's going to be. And if people are not willing to tolerate change or live with the uncertainty, then they get anxious and uh, leads to all kinds of wrong decisions. But it's exciting, right? <laughs> yeah, there's excitement you can do without. We want to provide the excitement in uh, measured uh, amounts and to have a safety net. And that's what's missing for a lot of people. Yeah, I agree with that. I imagine that right now, that well, there's definitely a hive of activity in terms of innovation. People are thinking of things. People are being forced to pivot, right? I'm looking at the moment around my um, my colleagues in the entertainment industry, right? They are oh. not allowed to work. Um, yeah. You know, who thought <laughs> that in... Um, in the UK, you'd be reading headlines such as weddings are allowed, but singing is banned. No singing. And even in religious ceremonies, you know, keep it to the bare minimum, keep it as short as possible and only one voice, you know, like these are crazy things we're seeing. So I'm seeing, of course, a lot of panic and stress and absolutely understand that. But I'm also seeing a small portion of that community Reevaluating what they were doing with their lives before, realizing maybe they weren't that happy being in full-time performance, or it, this could this could apply to anyone with a job, you know, that or a career that yeah. they don't like. And they're now looking. Okay, well, actually, I've always, I've had this idea for ages. Maybe it's time that I explore that because, frankly, I'm not doing anything else with my life at the moment. So maybe um, I need to use this time to to create and to innovate something new for myself that is maybe a bit more resistant to um, pandemics of today and, and maybe in the future. So 
at what stage does someone with an idea, and this is the point I'm getting to, at what <laughs> stage does someone with a big idea phone someone like you or phone you, get in touch with you about protecting that idea? At what stage? Well, there's, there's a contradiction here. The sooner, the better. The more early stage it is, the better. But usually the more early stage it is, uh, that person has less resources. Now, it's yeah. not only resources, uh, cash, to pay consultants. He doesn't have the bandwidth to gather all the information he needs from the different consultants he needs. People at this stage are most vulnerable, make the biggest mistakes, and could use a lot of advice from a lot of good people, and they don't have the bandwidth to absorb it. And um, there comes experience. If you've done this five times already, you've already know what to do a little bit. And um, it's also experience on the side of the consultant giving the advice. If you give too much good advice all the time, it's not going to do any good. You have to give it in measured pieces and to evaluate um, the real needs. So um, one of the things I'm doing now with somebody who came with a very premature idea, and it's a technology idea. People with uh, non-technological ideas uh, have a different sphere of issues. But if it's a technology issue, we can deal with it with patents and IP protection. And um, what I'm doing with them is I'm going over a lot of the basics of his ideas to make sure he knows what he's doing and what he's getting into. One of the things I found that people take risks with IP protection, meaning they spend money, they think they have protection, and they don't realize that they don't, and they go ahead and blurt out their idea to others. So explaining to people the process where they might fall is a valuable lesson. People can take risks if they're aware of the risk and if they have a safety belt. But if they don't know what they're getting into, that's what I try to avoid, prevent. Sure. So this person is coming, so is coming very early. And he told them I would work with him, I would follow him. But at a slow pace, I need to let him take care of all the other aspects in parallel and help him at the right times. To do it at the right times, we need to be in constant dialogue. Because the other mistake that happens is that the dialogue happens every few months. And then we come to, oh, why didn't they do this two months ago? Why didn't I talk to you? The dialogue has to be continuous and low flame. And then to prevent mistakes from happening. That's the key in my experience. And your clients and the people that you're working with are all over the world, right? Mostly in Israel and the States, a little bit in Europe, but I'm trying to do more. And uh, clients are sometimes startups, but sometimes larger companies that have less experience with IP. So I worked with a large company for a while, $200 million, 2,000 employees but a very small IP portfolio. 
And they realized that they needed an IP portfolio. So in that kind of company, what has to happen is you don't just uh, work with one person. You have to work with many. You have to instill a culture of awareness that the IP is the core to asset the company has. And it can be leveraged. It can be monetized. It can be protected. All of those things have to um, be indoctrinated over time. It doesn't happen with one document that is circulated or an email or even with one training session. What about um, IP that isn't either a SaaS product, a tech product? It's, it's, um, it's an idea. Um, do you help people with that? Do you help people systemize uh, their, their thoughts, if you like, their, their methods? Yeah, but that wouldn't fall under IP protection. I call it I, I call it development, product development, or but I'm not sure. I'm, I suppose I'm thinking about uh, what would be an example, like uh, uh, you know, a training system that was, um, you know, a, an education piece. So five, you know the five steps to this result and this is my method. There's no tech involved. There's no product involved, but it is a... Uh, yeah. it's harder to protect. Yeah. How the do you protect something there, like that? Protection there comes from being first, being fast, being nimble, being uh, providing value that others can't. I provide IP training in different situations and there is the uh, feedback I've given was that I provide it with a lot of personal stories and anecdotes. And I work with the customers on their exact situation. So the feedback was fairly good, whereas sometimes you can get this training uh, on a computer and go through a training module. Not the same thing. It's like with a personal trainer. You can uh, do training with a video or you can have somebody touch your shoulder and explain to you why you're not doing it right. So um, the five steps, there's copyright and there's proprietary signs and things. And you can get some protection from it, but it's weaker. It's harder to go to court and say, these are my five steps. Right. He's using them. So then is it, is it worth then trying to build a product around those five steps and put it inside a, uh, a, a SaaS platform, um, try and add a product so, to it? I'll take your example a little bit different and say some people come with software. Now, there are patents on software, but most software patents will advise you. Let's try to make it device-related. And if you can make it device-related, it's a much stronger protection. And the same goes with what you're asking. If you can relate it to some kind of technology or something that's um, physical that fits the normal or standard protection mechanisms much better. So on the other side of lockdown ending in Israel and you being able to move more freely in Europe, what are you going to do next? What's, what, what's next for you? Well, I'm going to try to learn how to do more business from afar. 
I usually um, am very um, old-fashioned in the sense I like to do personal business personally. Even if I work with somebody on the West Coast, I would make sure that we meet once or twice and continue the dialogue after we've had shook hands, had coffee, drank together, and got to know each other. I think it elevates the business. Business is about relationships and trust. And doing everything from afar is harder. And then there's also the, my business is innovation. And when I walk down your manufacturing line or in your labs, I see things that bring about questions and bring about a discussion. And if I don't do that, and I only have a discussion over the Zoom, I'm afraid I'm going to lose a lot. So one, I'll have to learn. Maybe I'll have to be smart with the Zoom and have a walking camera. Yeah. Somebody to describe the lab with uh, some kind of camera looking, and I can ask him to pinpoint and bring about a conversation about things we see. That's what steers the innovation. And uh, the other thing is work with somebody who's on the ground. For instance, maybe I have a colleague in the States and he can get to wherever within a couple of hours without much risk, without having to go through airports. And if we work together enough, he would be sensitive to my cues and to point things that he has known Basically, you build a team. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's awesome. But just to think about getting those video tours around, uh, I was thinking actually that I'm seeing that now. I guess uh, I'm sure you you're seeing it as well. But um, when you look on the uh, property uh, apps to real estate, you know, yeah. looking around the real estate stuff, we're now seeing the button. Uh, there's an app. The UK app is called um, Right Move, where you can you know do your searches and stuff. And now every, almost every property I see has a virtual tour available. And it used to be a video. Like that's been going on for a while now. You get yeah. the video walk around. First of all, it was a slideshow of the pictures anyway, which was a terrible idea because it wasn't any different to the pictures. But then it was... Um, uh, uh, virtual, then it was um, yeah. Then it was a at an actual video of of a, a an agent, hmm. I guess, doing the doing the tour and then uploading it. But now I can book at twelve o'clock to, to make the agent show up or make the maybe even the vendor of the property turn the phone on and I can say, "Oh, can I just look in that cupboard, please?" So, you know, and they'll, and they'll do it. So I think that's that's right, and I've certainly learned from from doing this stuff, it, of course it's all about relationships and it's um, finding finding those ways to connect people. But yeah, having a team on the ground and having someone who knows what you're looking for, that's um, hugely valuable, isn't it? Yeah. So I deal with um, intellectual property and uh, ideas to protect on two levels. One is on uh, what's called metadata. I know you have an idea, a recipe for Coca-Cola, and I talk to you about where you keep it, who has access to it, how often somebody verifies that it's not been broken into, etc. I don't know the recipe. There's a lot of stuff we can discuss, and I don't know the trade secrets yet. 
And that's the level that's um, probably the biggest bang for the buck for most companies. I can talk to you about how you make your podcasts. You probably have a process that you've optimized over years, and you wouldn't want to share it with everybody right now. So we can discuss the different steps and what's your, what's the secret sauce that keeps you going and how you keep it to yourself or share it with you. And I don't know it, but we can improve your protection considerably. And there's another level that I do with different customers, and that is, okay, let's talk about the secret sauce a little bit. Maybe we can make it work not only with water, but also with uh, other drinks. And um, so there's two levels that I work with. The level that's probably most important right now for most people is the first. They have their secrets. They just don't want it blurted out by mistake or recorded on a Zoom call. And um, sometimes all it takes is to put a little footer saying proprietary belonging to. And if you did that, you might have a standing in a legal discussion. If you didn't do that, you don't have any standing. Yeah. So there's a lot of small tips that you can get. And then it comes down to management and education and um, training. Yeah, that all makes makes sense to me. Um, now we're going to put a link up to uh, pearl-ip.com so people can uh, get more from you um, and find out how you can you can help them. Because if anyone's listening who's got an idea or is starting to develop something, then you are definitely the man to go to. And I've actually just had a thought that I'm going to introduce you to someone. Who I spoke with okay. recently, so that's that's cool. Um, tell me, um, tell me the positives that you're seeing around you uh, locally or online. Like, I, I feel like I feel like people are pulling together uh, in, in in communities. Would you agree with that? Yes, definitely. I think this disease is um, a social uh, disease. People are realizing you can't. It affects everybody equally, and you can't just keep to yourself. If you, everybody affects everybody, and many people are beginning to realize this. And um, this will take time, but actually, it's causing this change faster than other social movements will. And uh, people walk down the streets, and they all say "mask" to somebody who forgot his mask. And uh, or they'll cross the street or move their head around. And, um, you know, even politely, but people take more responsibility for their surroundings. Mm. And uh, that does have a positive effect in my mind. Uh, I hope it'll spill over to other aspects of our um, society. Agreed. Yeah. So you're a mask wearer. <laughs> Um, fortunately for me, I'm at home most of the time. Yeah. But when I go outside, I don't ask where, yeah. 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 It's funny. It's been, uh, it's been politicized in, in a way that I I really didn't expect it to be, but, um, I went to, I went to the hospital 
yesterday because uh, my, my father's at hospital and it's not it's not a COVID thing, but it was the first time I'd been in somewhere where that was absolutely like being in some sort of alternate reality because it wasn't that, yeah. you know, some people were and some people weren't. It was that everyone was wearing a mask and really behaving as you would expect they would in a hospital. And that was a jolt for me because I've been pretty much in my garden, in my office, you know, walking, uh, you know, in open spaces, not having to do that. But I think this next, this next phase now is just kind of, uh, you know, realizing that it's normal to see literally hundreds of people in a hospital complex, you know, all wearing masks and, and them not, it not being weird. It was just that it was the first time that I'd walked into that environment and it was kind of frightening because I know that place, you know, my kids were born there, you know, and then to step back into it, crazy. But the big loss in this is that when you don't see people's faces, it's hard to interact. You you become blank. Mm. And uh, I've sometimes, uh, in some settings, we take the mask off for a minute so we'll see the face, and then we'll put it back on. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, how are you going to recognize people? Uh, just yeah. by the eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's not personal. It's, it's very hard. But, um, yeah, I was also in some kind of medical center over the weekend, small. But everybody was behaving perfectly. People wore their masks, kept their distance. And at one time, they said, we have somebody who might be uh, contagious. Everybody, please move out. And everybody went out without saying a word. In one minute, everybody was out. They cleaned the area. Everybody walks in. People know how to behave when they're in certain situations. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's, it's broadly people um, are, are, are dealing with it well, I think. Well, look, uh, yeah. thank you so much uh, for joining me. Thank and, you. Um, I look forward to sharing this with with everyone, especially those who are thinking about creating or making something. And, and um, yeah, thank, thanks so much for your time, Gil. Really. Thank you, Toby. This was a pleasure. Great talking. Thank you. This episode of Crisis Cast 2020 was produced by me in London and Kate Astrakhan in Michigan, with artwork by Ryan Field and sound design by Lee Turner. Crisis Cast 2020 is a production from Podcast Network Solutions, a full-service podcast production company who are ready to help you plan, record, produce, and promote your message with podcasting. To find out more and grab your copy of Podstar if you're feeling Pod curious, visit us at podcastnetworksolutions.com.